0: Hello and welcome to the MXU Worship Podcast hosted by Stephen Brewster.
1: Each episode features great conversations between Stephen and all kinds of worship leaders, from the most prolific songwriters from prominent churches to folks you may have never heard of. Either way, we hope that these resources and conversations will encourage, equip, and empower
0: you to be the best worship leader you can be. Make sure to follow and subscribe to this
1: podcast too, so you can stay up to date on all of our episodes and other resources. Welcome to our podcast today. I'm so excited. My name is Stephen Brewster, and I have one of the most amazing human beings on the entire planet. I think that if David lived today as a psalmist, he would appear as Jesse Reeves. Whoa. <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> I mean, you wanted awesome, so we went we went all the way there. But I do believe it. I think Jesse Jesse and I have been uh, able to be friends. We worked on a couple projects together, and uh, you to me like do you remember those those commercials like the most interesting man in the world or whatever it was oh yeah like dosecki's guy dosecki's guy yeah. yeah you're like the worship dosecki's guy all right
0: i'll um, tell you i'm i'm stephen i'm somewhere between king david and the dosecki's
1: guy <laughs> that's a pretty good one. I mean it doesn't seem like a bad combination you know <laughs> there's worse there's worse combinations for sure um Man, so glad to have you today. Thanks for taking some time out to talk to to talk to me and to talk to some of our friends who are worship leaders. And uh, you know, again, I hope that by the end of today's conversation, our friends feel inspired and maybe educated a little bit, maybe challenged. So, tell me a little bit. How did you even get started in music? You live in Austin, Texas, right now, which is awesome. But how did how did music like become the thing where you're like, yeah, that's what I'm going to chase down? Um.
0: Okay, short version is I, I'm a Texas boy through and through. I was raised up north of Fort Worth in a town called Keller, and I was raised on a ranch, and my dad uh, is still a rancher to this day, and uh, I was raised showing Angus cattle. So everything, like, stereotypical for our people that aren't in Texas, that you think that's what Texas mm-hmm. guys do, that's what I did. and uh, Amazing. Yeah, I grew up in, like, a real strict uh, – Bible church, like there was we didn't have actually I don't even know if there was such thing as a worship leader back then. We had music ministers, right? The guys that standed up in the front with the did, <laughs> yes. did their hands. You can't see me, music but I'm ministers. doing the hands right now. Um Yeah. So that's what we had, and we had the piano and the organ and uh basically uh when I was in when I was fifteen I met Jesus raised in church my whole life but when i was 15 mm-hmm. i actually like met jesus and i remember praying god like whatever you want me to do with my life i never prayed i want to be a songwriter I never prayed i want to be a musician i just prayed like yeah. god whatever you want to do with my life um at the time my sister uh my older sister she kind of her rebellion was she dated this guy that looked exactly like uh, John Bon Jovi, like back in the day, not, not today's John Bon Jovi, okay. like the old slippery <laughs> when wet John Bon Jovi. He had long <laughs> hair and earrings, and it was her rebellion to bring him home to my dad, the rancher, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I thought this dude was awesome. And I was right. just like, and he played bass in an 80s hair metal band. So basically, when she would go over to his house, um, my dad would send me. To make sure they weren't making out, you know, and all that.
1: That's amazing.
0: And they would go they would go like hang out in the living room and I would go to his bedroom and he had a bass guitar in there. And I I remember it like it was yesterday. He had Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction on vinyl. And I put it on his record player. And track one, side one is Welcome to the Jungle, right? So I literally just picked up his bass guitar and Started playing along to Welcome to the Jungle It just made sense to me And he came in and he was like Whoa, do you play bass? And I was like, no, I don't Sorry man, was I not supposed to touch your bass? And he was like <laughs> He was like, no, I don't care I'm just saying like you're playing the bass line For that song And I was like, I am? He goes, you need to be a bass player And so I became a bass player Literally because of that guy His name's Jeff Bocci. Wow um, I literally hadn't seen him since I was 15. I'm 47 now. And last year so I they saw didn't him. Th- The relationship didn't work
1: out is what you say. No, saying.
0: it didn't. But I saw him in okay. the Nashville airport last year. and got No to, way. Yeah, I got to thank him. I was like, bro, you don't know that I've had a career in music for the last 30 years because of you. And it was because awesome. Of, wow. It was just awesome to see him. Anyway, uh, fast forward, played in a... a Christian band signed a record deal when I was sixteen. I guess um we were called Between Thieves and came to Nashville did the whole thing and we sold dozens and dozens of records um <laughs> over what well, I don't want people to think I'm bragging that over was over dozens of years that was over like eight years <laughs> so um. <laughs> I got married in 97 and decided that I, w- I had to like grow up and get a real job, so got yeah. out of that band. Got married in July of 1997. August of 1997, I got a phone call from this country boy in Grand Celine named Chris Tomlin that nobody ever heard yeah, of.
1: Never heard he, of him. He, he asked
0: him. me. At that point, nobody had, and <laughs> he asked me if I would come play bass and told me he was a worship leader. And I was like, I okay. don't know what that means. And I told him I just right. got married. Uh, I wasn't going to play bass anymore. And he said, Well, I need somebody this weekend. And to play at a thing in Texas called Hot Hearts is what it was called. It's like a youth team, like true love weights type rally. And so I. Said yes, and I went and played, um, told him I'd play with him one time, and that weekend where I realized what leading worship was and I realized what a worship leader was, it was like God said, everything you've done up to this point was just training for what I've called you to do. And I just had never seen a worship leader, you know, and— Right. So yeah, I told Chris I'd play for him one time, and I played for him for seventeen years. You know, and oh my gosh, it was, you know, they were, it was fantastic. And just started writing songs with Chris A- again. When we started, we had no idea. Uh, obviously, you have no idea. Oh, we just wanted right. to write songs that we, we just wanted to write songs that we could sing at church, right? right. And so. That's what, when when I started playing for Chris, he had already written We Fall Down by himself. And I was just like, man, I have no idea what this whole thing is about, but I'd love to write songs that move people like that. So, you know, we first song we ever wrote together, we wrote at Falls Creek in Oklahoma at a camp, and it was called Kindness. Um, Still one of my favorite songs we ever wrote together. And just... Kept writing songs for church, writing songs that we could sing at youth camps. And, you know, in 2000, we wrote a little song called How Great Is Our God and had no idea what that song would do. And I always tell people that we spent the next 15 years chasing that song around the world. Yeah. So,
1: Isn't that crazy how that that's how it happens? Like, this, this unbeknownst moment, and then you end up just chasing it.
0: Yeah. Man, I say this to songwriters all the time. We literally wrote that song to play at a youth camp so the kids wouldn't hate us, you know? <laughs> and, <laughs> Did it work? Did it, they like you? It From the first time we played it, well, obviously we didn't know what it was going to do, but we knew that it was special right. because it was a youth camp and we would finish the song and the kids would launch back into like the bridge, you know? Mm-hmm. Name above all names. Like the kids yep. were engaged like that. I don't know if you ever saw that Babylon B article about the oh, yeah. worship leader that, that got caught in the vortex between the chorus and the bridge <laughs> of how great is our God. That, yep. that would happen yep. spontaneously. And so we knew it was special. Obviously didn't know that. But what I tell right. people is I, it's been my experience as a songwriter. If you write songs for the room that you're in, and you write songs for specific people, those seem yep. to be the one that God kind of breathes on. And I've I've written a thousand songs that I think, man, this song would kill in an arena, and nobody's ever heard those songs. <laughs> but you yep. write a song for the people in the room that you're in, and God goes, yeah, I like that. So... Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the really that's... short
1: version of a really long story. So you walked out of that room that day and you knew you had something special, and then when you sang it the first time with those kids, you knew, okay, this is at least working in this room. I, I yeah. got to know.
0: No, I was going to say, we knew, it, we, we knew it was special as in like that kids would sing it and, and that right. it was engaging, but we had no idea what God was going to do with that song. If anybody that right. tells you there's a formula for that is a, a snake oil salesman, don't believe that dude. There's no formula right, for right, that.
1: Right. Right. No, none at all. Okay, so you wrote another great song that's out right now, and ironically, we sang this in our church yesterday. I speak Jesus. Yes, sir. Did you have Did you have that same feeling when you wrote that song?
0: Yeah. To be honest with you. Uh, yeah. Again, not that it would do what it was doing, but that song is a totally different. Okay, you fast forward 20 plus years from How Great Is Our God. Right. And we were in Montana at this thing called Kingdom Songs that Michael Farron put on, where basically, you know, people of a town can come learn how to write songs with professional writers. So, Michael brought in myself and Dustin Smith and Ryan Shirley and Tony Wood, like all these pro-writers and Michael, Benji Cowart, um, to to like break us up with, I think there may have been 30 people there from Kalispell, Montana, different churches, mm-hmm. to come write songs and... Um, Before we went into a session, the guy that was kind of pastoring over the thing, his name was Mike Perkinson. He said, hey, Jesse, will you just pray for us? And so I was like, sure. So I just raised my hands up. I was like, I just want to speak the name of Jesus over everybody that's going into these rooms right now. And, you know, Jesus, would you, you know, just pray to prayer. Right. And so we break up and we go into our little writing rooms, and it was me and Dustin, and then four moms, like housewives, that honestly wow. to this day I, I wouldn't know them. But uh, we, we were all in a room to kind of show them how to write a song or help them write a song. And Dustin's actually the one that said, Man, I think we're supposed to write your prayer. It's like, what do you mean? Right. It's like I, I speak Jesus, and it was a. Uh, there's kind of two two lanes that the story runs in, but um, yeah, we wrote that song in that room with those ladies, and it it came so easy and it came so fast, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Dustin's phenomenal. Anything Dustin sings sounds good. So you have to put on your editing hat to go, wait, is this actually good? Or is it just sound amazing because Dustin's singing it? And we like had almost finished it and we had uh, uh, shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, uh, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus, da, 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 da. I speak the holy name. We're like, what a... We'd need three syllables to finish this song. You know? <laughs> I was like, man, I want to say like for my family. But that's not a cool lyric. It's like, right? <laughs> you know, it's just not cool. And Dustin was like, I want to sing for my family too. And these ladies were like, I want to sing for my family too. So we're like, okay, it doesn't have to be a cool lyric. Let's just put Jesus for my family in this song. And what's crazy is that is the lyric that most people comment on.
1: Yeah. You know, and it, it's so funny. So I didn't know that story yesterday when we're singing that song in my church, I was like, I think it may have been the first time it dawned on me. The, the, a little bit of the dichotomy of that lyric in, in that progression. And I was like, this feels so like, this is what I want to pray. I want to pray Jesus over my family. Right. It's so, it's that's the, so crazy.
0: It's the anti-cool lyric. And, It just worked. Um, So, okay, I told you that's in two lanes. Also, what was going on in my life right then, which is still going on in my life, um, was we had made the move from like being a part of planting and working at big churches. Yeah. Okay. You want me to pause and tell you another story real quick, and then maybe
1: we'll tie this all together. Yeah, pause and then go there because that's the actual perfect segue to where I want to go next. But tell us the story first.
0: Okay, so you know, being with Chris for so long, and in, in two thousand maybe one, we moved to Austin and planted a church called the Austin Stone, um, which is still going today, and it's yep. strong, probably eight thousand strong, five or six campuses. Um, mm-hmm. in 2008, we moved to Atlanta, Georgia, helped start Passion City Church. Um, we we're part of that for five years. 2013, moved back to Austin. Um, uh, I actually went back to, I went to work for the Austin Stone as the family pastor there. 2014, quit playing for Chris, just, I needed to get off the road, um, Went through like a dark, jaded period, (laughs) you know, as Mm -hmm. most people do.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, don't we all?
0: Yeah. Um, And then in 2017, my wife came to me and she said, her name's Janet, and she is just a a better human being than I am. Um, Super dialed in to the Holy Spirit and listens and prays and I try to do those things, but she just hears better than me. And, um, right. (laughs) She came to me in 2017, um, and she said, Jesus just told me something and you're not going to like it. And I was like, okay. What did he tell you? And she said, he told me that you have to quit going to church for one year. And I was like, what? She goes, yeah, he told me that you have been paid to be a Christian since you were 15 years old, and it's going to take you a year to figure out who Jesus is again. Wow. And I was like, okay. We've been married long enough that I I don't even go through the, God didn't tell you that. I'm like, okay, if that's what he (laughs) told you, let's do it. So I quit working at the Austin Stone December 1st of 2017, and did not go to church for a year. And instead we just read the Bible together as a family. Um, you know, in acts two 42, it says those that were of the way devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, the teaching of the apostles and prayer. Mm-hmm. And Janet was like, why can't this be church? And so we started just having some people over and we started meeting um, at some friends house. And, um, Just, we would eat a meal together. We would read the scripture together and actually do like the discovery Bible study questions. What does this say about God? What does this say about man? And how should we change? That's just, nobody would teach. We just asked those three questions. And it was like the most filling time ever. And then, you know, Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. So every time, every week, every person got prayed for by name. We would pray for every person. Mm-hmm. So then wow. I started going like, "Man, why can't this be church? Like, what if we just multiplied? What if nobody got paid, and you could still tithe to it, but we actually just gave all the money away? You know, like it says in Acts, they would lay their their t- money at the disciples' feet. They would distribute it, and it says there was no need among them. Like, wh- why can't we do yep. that? And then I started asking questions like, "Is that even legal?" I don't know if that's (laughs) legal for, like, it kind of sounds like money laundering. Like, right, you have a need. I want to give you money, but I'm going to give it through this place because there's a tax advantage. Like, that kind of sounds like money laundering. And um, I think it was part of the Ozarks plot plot for sure. Yeah, yeah, Jason Bateman, House Church. Um, House Church. (laughs) Anyway, short version is... I was talking to a friend about that to see if it was legal. And he goes, well, you know, that's what Francis Chan is doing in San Francisco. And I was like, no. I I mean, I hadn't talked to Francis in five years since, like, you know, Passion World Tour. And so I called Francis and I just, you know, I literally just vomited everything that I just said to you. And he said, well, why don't y'all move to San Francisco? And you can do or help, you know, you can do We Are Church with us. And I said, because that actually would be easier than what I think God's asking me to do. Wow. Um, what I mean by that is Janet and I both are really good worker bees. Like if somebody else has a vision for something, we can work hard to make that vision happen. But actually taking a step out on our own where we're not underneath a Chris Tomlin or a Louis Giglio or a Francis Chan, it was really scary to be honest with you, because if it fails, it's on us. And so Francis said, why don't you come out to San Francisco and y'all can just stay with me and Lisa and ask us any questions. You can go to church with us. And we're like, cool. I said, when do you want us to come? He said, can you come on December 2nd? And I was like, sure. So the next day, I'm booking flights, and I just start laughing. Janet's like, what? It's like, Janet, you told me that Jesus said I had to take one year off of church, right? She was like, yeah. I said, my last day at the <laughs> Austin Stone was December 1st of last year. And Francis just asked us to no come way. on December 2nd. Like, I will have had 365 days off. So we're like, I think that's what God wants us to do. Um, anyway, so... We started it, and our goal is to multiply every year. Uh, We have seven house churches now. Um, One of the problems that we had is we could not do modern worship songs on our back porch. And right, it's it's crazy, but because that's what I do for a living, I try to write songs for (laughs) these places (laughs) Um, for people to sing. Yes, most houses have have you know just just normal people playing an acoustic guitar. And I mean, I love Brandon Lake with my whole heart, but trying to pull off graves in the gardens on the back porch with just an acoustic, it just doesn't work. Right. Or whatever Hillsong songs are. So we were trying to just write simple songs that we could sing on our back porch. Um, We start every one of our gatherings still to this day. We start every gathering at every house with what we call Jesus stories. And that literally looks like, hey, let's go around the room and just tell us one time this week that you got to speak the name of Jesus to somebody. And, bro, can I tell you the first three or four months of that, was the most painfully awkward thing you've ever sat in in your life. <laughs> like people would try not to make eye contact with me, you know, start looking at their shoes all of a sudden like, you know, <laughs> really want to find this scripture, like looking in their bible. Right. And it, the point is is that we're at a place in in Christianity right now where the fewest amount of people in history are coming to know Jesus. Uh, there's a book called *The Forgotten Ways* by Alan Hirsch that talks about, like, in the New Testament, it says thousands were coming to know Jesus daily, and then you fast forward to 2023, and you have the fewest amount of people coming to know Christ. But at the same time, we have the most resources, we have the most money, we have the most mega churches. Like, what's what's wrong? It seems like what we're doing is not working. And I was just really convicted that really what this book says is it was because in the Old Testament, I mean, in the New Testament, Peter says, you are a royal priesthood. And that was, yep. that was so, like we read that and we're like, oh, that's cool. To them, that was revolutionary, right? Because you got to think for thousands of years, Every family had to make this trek to Jerusalem every year, once yep. a year, with a sacrifice and present it before the priest. You know, And what's the role of the priest? The priest is to be a representative of God to the people and to be a representative of the people to God, right? They did this every year. Every Jewish family did that. Now all of a sudden Jesus comes, dies, raises from the dead, you know, sends the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and Peter goes, "Hey, by the way, now all of you guys are priests." Mm-hmm. that was that was revolutionary to them. Wait, we don't have yeah. to make this trek anymore. Wait, now I'm the representative of God to the people and the representative of the people to God. So if you have these first generation Christians and one's a farmer, well, he doesn't stop being a farmer. He's a farmer that's a priest. Yep. So, somebody comes to buy his, you know, corn or whatever, he can be a representative of God. He can speak Jesus over these people and he can pray for these people. If you're a blacksmith, you keep being a blacksmith, but now you're a priest. And everybody that comes into your blacksmith shop, it's like that's your church. You're the priest of it. Right. And for 300 years, that's why Christianity spread like it did. Because everybody was going out into the world as priests, right? So that happened for 300 years until 313 AD when Constantine signed the Edict of Milan. And when he did that, it, it did several things. But one of the things he did, well, he built church buildings and he made it law that people gather in church buildings And the second thing he did is he created a separation between clergy and lay people. So, all of a sudden, you had professional ministers. Right. And the slow burn of that is over the... You know, since that time to today, we've really gone back to the Old Testament system. Right. If you think about it. Now... We still have all these people coming together to watch one priest do his thing, and then everybody goes home and does nothing. Yep. And what I submit yep. to you is that that is zero threat to the enemy. Wow. He, he, he doesn't care. He doesn't care if there's 20,000 people in a room if there's only one priest being right. a priest.
1: Right, if no one's activated. Then and right. they
0: go home and do nothing. Right, so that is our goal. We we say our goal is to elevate the priesthood of the believer, and so like I said, every week, let's we'll start with Jesus stories. First three months were that of that were awkward. Then I actually said, "Listen, I don't care if your motivation is bad this week." To speak the name of Jesus. There's actually justification right. in the New Testament of people sharing the gospel with bad intentions and God used it for right. good. So if if your intention this week is just so this time next week is not awkward, speak the name of Jesus to somebody so that you have a Jesus story. Well, yep. people started slowly doing it and it became part of our culture. And now, now we pretty much have to shut Jesus stories down every every week <laughs> but this is this is the point if you're a priest then it's your job to find the needs in the community so now people's Jesus stories will be like hey i met a single mom in the line at the grocery store that can't pay her rent can we pay her rent yeah. this month and i will i will say yeah we'll pay her rent But here's the deal. Find out how much her rent is. Her rent is, you know, eighteen hundred bucks. Okay, I'm gonna we're gonna pay her rent this month, but I'm not gonna give her eighteen hundred bucks. I'm gonna give you eighteen hundred bucks. And you're gonna elevate your priesthood and take it to her and sit down with her, pay her rent and tell her about Jesus. Tell her that Jesus sees her, he hasn't forgotten about her, and that he loves her. Well, guess what happens if you do that. You know who's going to want to show up at your house next week? <laughs> and the, 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 that, that lady.: <laughs> Exactly. You know, being able to pay for surgeries for people, to be able it's just like, wow, it's amazing to watch people elevate their priesthood and start speaking the name of Jesus. So like I said, here's where our two stories meet. is that we can't do modern worship songs on our back porch. We're desperately trying to get our people to speak the name of Jesus to people during the week. And I go to kingdom songs and intersect with Dustin and pray I speak Jesus. And this song happens, and I was like, bro, as long as we can keep it so simple that I can sing it on the back porch. And that's kind of where the two roads came together. And it's super simple, and it's... It was just to be a tool that we could sing to encourage our people to speak the name of Jesus. And and I think that's one of the reasons that God said, I like that and decided to just kind of, you know, he yeah. just blew he blew on yeah. it. It it wasn't to yeah. be a song to go around the world, it's a song to be sung on my back porch. And right.
1: Sorry, that was that was a really long answer, Stephen. Oh my gosh, that was so good! I couldn't even write fast enough, <laughs> write my notes fast enough. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I, did I make? I made sure I got that right. I hope. I'll be probably be texting you like multiple questions, just to make sure I didn't screw it up. I mean, that was awesome. So, you are obviously like swimming in a in a lane that is completely countercultural to a lot of the the art and worship songs that you've actually created. Like you've written on a lot of songs that really their natural home would be in the big auditorium, uh, type gathering. How do you live in that? How do you live in that, um, tension a little bit between when you're sitting down to write it? Cause you don't, every song you write isn't, isn't, um, I speak Jesus, obviously. Right. So how do you, how do you live in that tension? um,
0: Man, for me, the, what I've just chosen to do is I will always write for the small. Because I feel like if you write for the small, it works for the big. But if you write for the big, it doesn't always work for the small. Example of that, Stephen, which you would know more than anybody, um, the good folks listening to this haven't heard this song yet, but a song like God is in this house um, that we wrote for central In Las Vegas, the mega church Mm -hmm. of mega churches, and you know Drew Bodine, the worship pastor, there is a dear friend and super gracious. And we'll go out there and try to write songs for Central. I mean, it's Las Vegas for crying out loud. If you want your drum (laughs) throw, your drum riser to flip upside down and catch on fire, they can do it. They've got all the toys and tricks to do that. And it fits into their culture. Totally, and God uses it. I mean, okay, I will insert this right here. That's where I am right now in my pendulum shift is that God's so good, he uses all of it. I'm not now like the house church guy only. That's just where we are. And I still go to Las Vegas and write with Central because it's amazing, right? So a song that is gonna be the third single on this record that we're just putting out, but it's called God is in this house. And it works perfect for house church. Literally could not be more simple. The chorus says God is in this house. God is in this house. That's all that matters now. That's all that matters now. You can't get more simple than that. And it works awesome at our houses. And then I went to Vegas for the recording of the live record and they sing God is in this house in a 5,000 seat sanctuary and I just wept. I stood in front of a house right mm-hmm. by Adam and just wept. Like, God is in this house too. You know, like, yep. so, yeah, my where I am right now to answer your question is I always write for the small and God can use it in both worlds.
1: Yeah, that's that's awesome. So good. And what a great reminder, because when I work with churches, I always tell them, like, the last thing that the world needs is you to create Hillsong Light or Elevation Light, and you just write a song that you think is gonna be, like, it's gonna work, big church, but it has nothing to do with your church. Right. You know, and I think writing for the small, that makes, so, that's such a an easy... Tag to help people remember the importance. Um, okay, so pivot a little bit. You are also not only are you a pastor and um, a songwriter, but you also have a band, King's Porch. Kind and you of have music that just can't. <laughs> you, you have kind of okay. Explain yeah. to us the complexity of King's Porch.
0: Kind of okay. So yeah, we. Like I said, we're
1: house churches. A band may be the strong word. It's a a, a collective.
0: Maybe. Here's what's crazy. It is a collective. But what's crazy to me is, like, literally, we have we had no desire. Like I I have been there and done that. You know, raised my family right. on a tour tour bus. I don't need that in my yep. life anymore. Um, writing for the small. So our goal quickly we multiply every year and so right now we have 7 if you multiply every year on year 11 you will have 1024 churches which is just yeah because it's the first 7 years are slow one, two, four, eight, sixteen, right. thirty-two, sixty-four. 16 32 64 what's my math uh 128 256 then it starts like ramping um right so We've prayed so far, we're only seven in, but we've prayed that every house would have a worship leader because that's a high value for us. And so far, we've had every house has been had a guy or a girl that can play an acoustic guitar or a piano and sing. Stephen, I started gathering these people together, and I would put them up against Brooklyn Tabernacle. On oh their goodness. voices. God has brought us the most amazing, talented people that have shepherds' hearts that I've ever been around in my life. Like, they're unbelievable. And none of them have a desire to... I mean, they're, they're moms and, and dads and, and you know, work at as, like, loan officers. <laughs> like, they, they don't have this right, thing to right. be musicians. <laughs> Got them together... And listen to them sing, and it's it's unbelievable the talent that we have in our seven churches. So, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm on BEC, and uh, yep. one of my A and guys' name is John Hartley, and John came to me one day after a day of prayer and fasting, and he said, "Mate, I think it's time for King Sports to put out a record." And I was like, Ah, I don't know, buddy. It was like <laughs> it sounds it sounds gross to me. It sounds like yep. like something I don't want to get back in. And I said the only way I would do it is if we could call it Songs for the Simple Gathering. And it's it's the it's not a cool record. It's just simple songs that you know, and he was like, mate, that's what we need to do. So we did it, man. I gathered Gathered King's Porsche and uh, we recorded a little record and put it out. Had a little song on it called I Speak Jesus, <laughs> you know. And, yep, like what's crazy about that to, to reiterate the point I was making earlier, we put that out and it, it didn't do, I mean, it went to like number 20 on the radio. Which was never a goal for it to go to radio, so great, who cares? (laughs) So that's even better than we expected. Yeah, like, praise God, it went on radio, whoever knew. Well, that song died. I mean, not for us, but it died on radio, and we we still sing it, sang it yesterday. And then a year later, I mean, that song's three years old, by the way. A, A year later, this girl named Charity Gale... Who I do not know. I've never met Charity. Charity, if you're listening, would you no please way. call, would you please call me? I would love to talk to you and say thank you. Never met her. And somebody sent me a link, and when I looked at it, it had seven million views. And when I looked at it the next day, it had 10 million views. I'm like, who was yeah. who is this girl? And, right. pra- and praise God. You know, people will say, I heard, I heard Charity's you know, version of I Speak Jesus on the radio, and I wish they were playing your version. I was like, I don't care whose version they're playing. Praise (laughs) God that that song's getting out there. And and that's to my point that if God likes a song, there's nothing you can do to make it more successful, and there's nothing you can do to kill it. Right. If God likes a song, it's going to get out there. And so, like it died for us, and he was like, "No, I'm not done with that song here charity yeah and it and there it goes. so I've also over the years, okay, right for the small would be number one, number two is just trust the Holy Spirit is gonna do what he wants to do with the song, and it just yeah. relieves it it relieves you of a lot of pressure on yourself, yeah. Like, yeah. I think the season I'm in right now with writing is the most free season I've been in because I just, I don't carry the weight of any of that. I want to write a simple yeah. song, and if it doesn't go past my back porch, fantastic.
1: If people on my back yeah. porch can well, see. Sometimes that's where the, that's where it was meant for. It was meant right. for the back porch. And that has to be enough. Does yeah. that make sense?
0: That has to be enough totally. for Totally. If it's not enough for you, you will always be disappointed. But if if the people in your immediate circle, even if it's just the writing room, if the song doesn't make it out of the writing room, but the 3 or 4 of you in that room gave glory to God for 4 hours while you were writing a song, that
1: has to be enough. Totally. Totally. Oh my gosh. Well, and also, like John Hartley is such a good and pure man that if he comes to you and says you have to do something that God told him, you kind of have to listen because 100%. he's just solid gold. Yeah, he's, he's
0: he's like my wife. I, if Jesus
1: told him something, I'm like, okay, cool, let's go. <laughs> I told him, I, we, he and I had coffee one day, and I just told him, I was like, you are like goals. Like if I feel like you're like the priest of, of A&R people, and I just want to learn how you do what you do because – you just feel Jesus when he's around, you know? So, um, okay. So King's porch wasn't like this master plan to take over the world, but (laughs) what's awesome is, is that it definitely has helped, uh, get songs that are coming from your community to other communities that are similar to that. Um, if you could project forward what you think or maybe what God's put on your heart that you hope to have happen through your community next. What are some of the things that you might be dreaming about? Man. What's funny is none of, none of it has to do with
0: music. We're going to keep writing songs, but where we are right now, Steven is, uh, the scary thing about what we're doing is it works. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, I've said since the beginning, what the number I just threw out to you. If you do this for 11 years, you have 11, you know 1,024 right. churches. <laughs> the, just because that's how math works, right? I was just saying that. Yeah. Well, now all of a sudden we're like, oh no, this is working. And we're being able to elevate the priesthood of the believer, You know, 20 people at a time, asking them every week, number one, have you talked about Jesus with anybody? And number two, how can we pray for you? You know, and and people, when you have a house church, you can't hide. So if you and your wife are are fighting on the way to church, everybody knows it. And your marriage is going to (laughs) be prayed for that day. You know, your kids are going to be prayed for that day. Um, Yep. What do I want to do long-term would be, here's, Okay. You can edit out anything you don't want. Last year we had three churches, right? Since nobody gets paid, mm-hmm. we were able to give away one hundred and eight thousand dollars, which amazing. is that's not like pat on the back. That's just like that's what was given. We gave it all away.
1: No, paying, that's just pay, reality. Pay, yeah. Paying
0: rent, paying you know surgeries. All we do some global initiatives with ministries that we support, but now I am just like okay. If three churches gave away $108,000, I told you on year 11, you'll have 1,024 churches. The crazy part is if you do it for 20 years, you'll have 523,000 churches. Oh, my gosh. If each one of those houses has 20 people in it, that's 9 million people. Oh, my goodness. And so I'm going, okay, if three churches gave away $108,000, how many how much money could 523,000 churches give away? And right. then I start going, wait a second. If if that was the case, if the church was doing what the church was supposed to do, then all of a sudden we don't need Medicare. We don't need social right. security because there would be no need among them. So now right. my brain has shifted to the reason that we have government programs is because the church has not done what the church is supposed to do.
1: Wow. So that's a huge answer to yeah, your Yeah, I was going to say, when you said that number, when you said that number, I'm like, at that number, you erase global poverty. Right.
0: You can't, and, and it's possible. It's possible. So that, right? honestly, like, I want songs, here, I've am i got my Bible here. I want songs to go out and do what songs do and to bring glory to God. But my goal is not songs. My goal is I. W- yeah. Okay. Simply put, what I would love to do is over the next twenty years of my life, I would like to elevate the priesthood of nine million people and give all our money away. That that feels good. And you're like, okay, that's that's, that's pretty far fetched. What if what if we hit ten percent of that goal? <laughs> Great. Right.
1: <laughs> you know what I Great. mean? So, Phenomenal. Like, like, like bibli- biblical level story, if you reach 10% of it.
0: Right. This is, this is last night we had a worship gathering. So we're, and we're in houses once, uh, we're in houses every Sunday, except the, the last Sunday of the month, we do a worship night where all of our houses get together and we worship and I actually preach at it. And last night we were celebrating, uh. Faithful Still coming out. That's the new song that we're probably supposed to be talking mm-hmm. about. The new song. Yep. Everyone, please go to uh, whatever wherever you stream music. <laughs> Everyone go stream the song. Listen to King's Porch, Faithful
1: Still. It's a really good song.
0: I, it's a fantastic song, and I love it with my whole heart. Um, that's the only plug for that song. Just, I think you're going to like it. Anyway, we were celebrating that last night, and I was able to tell our people, I was like, hey, it's, it's funny to me that, like, the world is kind of hearing songs that we're putting out, and it's kind of catching the attention of some people. But our songs are never going to be what we identify ourselves as. And this is the passage that was on my heart for our people, and it's it's Romans 12 starting in verse 9 that says, "'Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection.'" outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent Mm. in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I was like, if anything, if we're known for anything, I want people to say that is the most loving, hospitable group of people I've ever met in my life. They love each other and they love Jesus. And, and I was just like, I'm glad our songs are going out there, but what we're trying to do is create a culture that actually looks like it did in the New Testament. And it's, it's not, that's the funniest part about the whole thing, Stephen, is people always, I, I speak a lot and people are like, well, tell us about like, you know, this new house church movement. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> there's no such thing as a new house church movement. It's in fact, the oldest <laughs> idea in the world. We're not reinventing right. anything. We literally are reading this book and if the book says do it, we're trying our best to do it and if it says don't do it, we're trying our best to not do it.
1: There's nothing tricky about and it. And classifying it as a movement probably like is countercultural to what it even is in the first place. Right. Right. It's not like like I don't know. Yes
0: to your point. It's it's not tricky. And it doesn't have to be sexy, right. and it doesn't have to be polished. I was so freed up the first time we went to Francis's house. You know, I was expecting it's Francis Chan for crying out loud. He's a hero. You know, like right. there's going to be yeah. something about this that's sexy, and right the it was so unsexy that it was beautiful. Like Francis, yeah true story Francis says at the end of like the time together he goes man I really feel like we're supposed to take communion together so he goes into the kitchen and they had one piece of white wonder bread and they had a (laughs) white grape capri sun that's all they had was juice and he squeezed this capri sun into a bowl and his little kid started crying because that was his capri sun (laughs) so it was like chaos happening Brings out a right. little bowl with a Capri Sun in it and a piece of white Wonder Bread. And we all broke off a piece of bread and dipped it in the Capri Sun. And it was one of the most holy communions I've ever taken in my life. Wow. And I felt like God was saying, you just got to let all the stuff go. Yeah. All the stuff. There's a thing in church right now, which I, I, I'm a product of, and I've preached it. And to a point, I believe in it, and that's this thing called a culture of excellence. I do believe in doing what we're doing with excellence. But I also believe yeah. that that can become your God. And if that's all you if that's all you're focusing on, you can put on a really excellent gathering and never encounter the Holy Spirit. So there's this balance of just not trying to be sexy and just ask the Holy Spirit what he's doing in the room
1: and try to follow that no matter what it looks like. And and really, isn't the word excellence just kind of a trash word anyway? Because it's undefinable. Like, what excellence is to me may be ghetto to you. Right. And what is excellence to you John Hartley might be like, "That's not what excellence looks like." You know, it's it's. Right. We we we've, we've created this situation that I think when we get to heaven, God's gonna be like, "You guys made something simple, pretty complex down there,
0: <laughs> and I still
1: used it to work and reach people." But yeah, you 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 kind of com- you made it a little complicated for for us.
0: Yeah. The the moral of the story is, bro, we're gonna screw this up. Janet and I, when we started this, no we, we said, if we start this thing and we're the only two people that show up, it's going to be screwed up. You know, like yep. every movement, everything has always started off with good intentions and it's run by humans. We're going to do things wrong. We're going to mess up. And I, I think the house church is going to have problems just like the mega church and through it all. Sure. God is so good that he yep. just uses it to change people's lives. And it's it's yep. unbelievable. I'll tell you one more one more little side note the benefit of the house church that I was not expecting and it was not planned is that literally half the people on my back porch are Catholic. And wow. I, I never wow there's never anything that we planned on and there's this family that's become really good friends of ours a hispanic family catholic family um raised in the hispanic catholic church and their their whole family got saved on my back porch wow. and it, and it was beautiful and i was talking to him afterwards i was like bro how did you end up here like what what's the what's the story right and he was like, well, he's like, you know, we were raised in the Catholic Church. And he said, uh, about a month ago, my wife told me that she just wanted to feel something when she went to church. He said, so we started asking around, and then a mutual friend led him to our back porch. And I said, well, Greg, let me ask you this. Would would you have ever gone to the Austin Stone? Because that's a huge church in Austin. And he goes, right. no. He goes, no. I said, why? And he goes, because that's a Baptist church. I said, well, buddy, wow. what would you do if I told you that we were a part of starting the Austin Stone? The Austin Stone actually started in our living room. He goes, You're a Baptist? And I was like, Well, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm just saying, like, right. it's the same God, it's the same church. And he was like, no, I never would walk through the doors of a Baptist church, but I have no problem coming to your house. And wow. so one of the wow. one of the side of effects that I think is beautiful is it turns out, Stephen, that there's only one God, and there's one Lord, and there's one baptism, and there's one church. And getting back into people's houses is tearing down the walls of all this division that we've seen over the last generation. Yep. And really, I think there's... We're striving for unity between between yeah. all the all the flavors. So, yeah. anyway, bro. Totally. Sorry, well, I didn't, that was probably like three hours. Dude, that's you, you said we were going for thirty minutes.
1: <laughs> no, you can't stop goodness. You just got to let. It's like songwriting. You, if you're on a on a on a roll, you just keep it going. You know. So, thank you for taking time to talk to us today and for hanging out and. um, if you could give, if you could give a worship leader who they're in their local church and they're 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 trying to figure out how to just do this in a God honoring way to be a little bit better at what they do next week than they were this week, what would be the one thing you would tell them?
0: Man, honestly, r- read your Bible. One hundred percent. It's so that, funny you
1: say that. That
0: sounds like the most. My wife. Go ahead.
1: Now my wife says all the time. She's like. It's funny to me how many worship leaders don't ever read their Bible.
0: I would I would say it would be a really high percentage. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I didn't say this. So I don't know who I heard say it first, but they said you, as a leader, you can't lead someone to a place you don't know how to get to. And mm. so I, man, I I stopped reading the Bible as a history book about three years ago. I stopped reading it as a history book or as a science book and started reading it as like God's love letter to me in every story, in every story. Like what is God trying to show me about his character in this story? And it's just amazing what, if you'll pause to read your Bible, what the Holy Spirit will tell you. Yeah, and, you know. Totally. You're a shepherd. If you're a worship leader, you're a sh- you're a shepherd, right? And your job is to mm-hmm. lead people to green pastures. Psalm 23 is about the good shepherd, and we are supposed to we're supposed to mimic him. So you need to know how to lead people yeah. to green pastures, where to tell them to lie down by the still waters, and have a message for them to restore their soul. And
1: that's all going to come from your time in the Word. Yeah. I have a pastor friend, and he always says, if you read your Bible, it'll talk to you. 100%. So, yeah. Well, Jesse, thank you for your time today. Thank you for being uh, true to who God made you, for being obedient in writing the songs that you've written. And the influence that it's had on so many of us is disproportionate to what you could probably ever believe. But it's, it's... we're we're very thankful that you take the time today to just pour into our little community for a few minutes.
0: Dude, I love it. I love what you are doing on both sides of it—the worship side and the the audio side. It's it's fantastic. You you work with some of my favorite people over there. So, my uh, people too. Just to reiterate, just so I don't get don't get in trouble from BEC um, worship leaders, would you please go listen to "Faithful Still." By Kings Porch. Oh, uh, wherever we're gonna you hit that. Wherever hard. wherever you stream music. <laughs> I really do think that it, it'll be good for your soul.
1: Yeah, for sure. And we will we'll we'll put the, the, the link to the song in the show notes and guys, go listen to the song. It's you'll start leading it. It's it', it a great song. You need to go listen to it. So awesome well, man. Buddy, thank you for
0: having me on. Let's do it again. I'll try to not be so he- so heavy
1: next time. Sorry, that was heavy, but no, that was awesome. Okay, I do cool. literally. I'm telling you, I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here writing notes the whole time. Like this is so good, so challenging, so interesting, so fantastic. Thank you so so much. All right, buddy. Well, let's go to Vegas. Let's, All right. I'll see you I'll next see you time we go. <laughs> Guys, if you enjoyed today's conversation, I hope you do me a favor. And please share it with one person, just one person, find one person that you would send a text to and say, Hey, I listened to this podcast. It was really interesting to me because of this. And I would love to share it with you. That would mean the absolute world to me. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Check back next week. We'll have another episode.